guys, I'm your host Tara A. Devlin, and welcome to this week's episode of Koobana, true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. My latest book, Koobana Volume 12, is now out. Collecting even more of your favourite stories from the show, you can find creepy ghosts, abandoned buildings, haunted shrines, fascinating monsters, and much, much more. You can find that on Amazon right now, and help support the show at the same time. This week, we're looking at some creepy hauntings that will make your hair stand on end and make you think twice before turning off that light. First up, a young man is invited to go night fishing with his friend, but it seems there may be another reason behind this simple request. What's really going on? Find out in Fear of Water. I'm a former member of the swim team, but these days, I'm so afraid of water I can't even enter the kiddies pool. This is a story about why. One winter, a few years ago, my friend S invited me around to his house around 10pm. I had the following day off with no particular plans, so I answered and agreed to go over. He was a womanizer who'd been caught up in more than his fair share of troubles. He was also self-centred, with few friends. And so, I prepared myself for the inevitable. As soon as I got there, S threw some clothes at me and said we were going night fishing. I was dressed in pretty light clothing, so I most definitely would have been cold out there. Just a coat will be fine, I said, but he said we'd be getting dirty, so I should put all of it on. That was rather sensible of him considering how self-centred he was. S and I had a similar body type, so his clothes fit me perfectly. After I was done getting dressed and even put on one of his hats, I looked in the mirror and felt a bit off. I looked just like him. Our destination was a swamp about a 30-minute drive away. I didn't know much about fishing, so I had no idea what kind of stuff you could catch there. I just did as I was told and put the bait on the hook, then watched the floats bobbing in the water under the moonlight. I only ever went fishing when I was invited, and it was dark and silent, so I was bored. Still, S must have been pretty bored to invite me to go fishing with him like this. Then suddenly I remembered something. Oh yeah, so where's your girlfriend? Usually, if he had the following day off, he'd spend the night with her, and he seemed especially fond of his current girlfriend as well. Ah, yeah. So about that. Suddenly, his expression turned serious, and he looked at me. Do you believe in ghosts? He ignored my question and returned with another question. That was just like him. To be honest, I wasn't the type who believed in ghosts and yokai and such. When I said that, S laughed. And that's why I called you out tonight. Then he told me a story. The type of story I hated. His girlfriend killed herself. They went to the beach together, and there they had a fight. She got hysterical, so he lost his cool and returned home alone leaving her there. As soon as he got back, he got a call from the police. She had jumped into the ocean, leaving behind a note with his contact details on it. 
A nearby fisherman found it and then contacted the police. She was dead. They pulled her body out of the water about a week ago. She looked like she'd been in the water for about 10 days. But after that, whenever he took a bath, he saw her face in the water. When he looked into a river, she was looking back at him. Before long, he even saw her inside his coffee and miso soup. It seemed she could appear from any type of liquid. I burst out laughing. So this self-centered guy could feel guilt like the rest of us, huh? But if ghosts truly do exist, then they would appear right after death, right? When I said that, S laughed. So then, you're not afraid? Because she's right over there right now. He pointed to a spot in the water a short distance away. Of course, I wasn't scared. Here, I said and stood up. S also stood up and then stepped behind me, as though hiding. What? Are you scared? It was funny how afraid he was. It was something I normally wouldn't even be able to imagine. She had bad eyes, he whispered by my ear. Like, so bad she couldn't see without her contacts. Then, suddenly, he pushed me, and I fell into the water. I say fell in, but the gap between the bank and the water was only about 30 centimetres. The water was also so shallow that it barely reached my belly button as I fell on my backside. What the hell are you doing, man? I stood up and went to climb back onto the bank, but something grabbed my leg. I tried shaking it off thinking it might be some seaweed or rubbish, but I couldn't lift my leg. S had a twitchy smile on his face. Sorry, man. The thing wrapped around my leg crawled up to my shin. I looked down, and I could see a swollen, bloated hand clearly in the moonlight. I was so horrified I couldn't even scream. As the hand crawled further up, reaching my thighs, and then my hips. Then a head rose out of the water as well. I had seen S's girlfriend before she died, but there wasn't a trace of her features left now. She clung to my hips and tried to drag me into the water. I looked to the shore for help, but S was already gone, and I could hear the sound of an engine in the distance. The woman was clinging to me as though she were hanging on to life itself. I was going to die. She was going to kill me. But the moment the thought crossed my mind, I suddenly felt lighter. Then I heard a voice by my ear. So he's leaving me again, huh? She was close enough to breathe on me, but the air didn't move. Take me with you. There was a fishy smell in the air, and my entire body went cold, like I'd been frozen in ice. I crawled out of the swamp, although I don't remember where I walked after that. Next thing I knew, I was standing in front of my front door, crying like a child. I took off my swamp-soaked clothes, put them in a garbage bag, and then took a shower. 
But no matter how hot the water was, my back still felt cold. I wrapped myself in a blanket, but still, I was cold. So cold. I couldn't stand it any longer, so I got in the car and drove to S's house. He was the source of the problem. S probably wasn't feeling himself. His door was unlocked. The moment I opened it, I felt something slip off my back. Hey! S! He came out from the rear of the house, but when he saw me, he went pale and started shaking. I threw my arm back to punch him, but then I realised he was looking at something behind me. You! But there's no water. That fishy smell was behind me again. I didn't want to stay there one second longer. I really shouldn't be there. I closed my eyes, pushed S away, and ran out of the room. The next day I invited a few friends to go to S's house. If he was dead, then they would no doubt suspect me, the last person who saw him. Thinking strangely realistically, I let my friends go in first. The door was still unlocked. The friend who went in first called out, but there was no response. Come on, let's go in, he said, but I was still standing outside. S? Hey, S! At my friend's panicked voice, I sighed. So then, he really was... I mean, in the end he got what he deserved, but still. Hey! What the hell is wrong with him? Hey! Can you understand me? Something was wrong. It seemed they hadn't found a dead body. I readied myself and went inside. All of my friends were standing around S, and he was laughing. His eyes were unfocused, and his head was wet as though drenched in water. S! Get yourself together, man! He laughed as though he were broken. I stood there in a daze and then, behind me, I smelt something fishy. Thank you. Ever since that night, I've been unable to go near the beach, swamps, or even pools again. The man in this next story keeps getting a call from a strange woman who claims that she got his number from Koichi-kun. Also, she wants to be his friend. Who is this strange woman and what's really going on? Find out in Koichi-kun. Ten years ago, I was at my then-girlfriend's house when her phone rang. Hello? She answered. But then her expression started to look more and more confused. She turned to look at me and tilted her head. What's wrong? I asked. She covered the end of the phone with her hand and said, I have no idea. You take it. Me? I thought. But I took the phone from her. Hello? Ah, there you are. Koichi-kun? I called, just like you wanted. Thank goodness you took the phone. I was so shocked when a woman answered. Judging by the voice, it was a young woman on the other end of the phone. 
But my name wasn't Koichi. Wait, who are you after? I asked. Eh? This is Koichi-kun, right? You sound exactly the same as always, she replied. Ah, she must have the wrong number, I thought. No, I'm not Koichi, I said, and then hung up. I told my girlfriend that it must have been a wrong number and handed the phone back. But then it rang again. It was the same number. Again? I thought, but this time I answered. Hello? Why did you hang up on me? I told you, I'm not Koichi, and this isn't even my phone. Eh? But this is the number you told me to call in my dream last night. Huh? Dream? I have no idea what you're talking about. I think you have the wrong number. But your voice sounds exactly the same. And I wrote the number down as soon as I heard it. Okay, but I don't know anything about that either. But this is the number Koichi-kun told me. And I told you, I'm not Koichi. Well, then, please be my friend. Huh? She wanted to be my friend? That made no sense. Huh? Why? I asked. Um, well, you're the one who answered the phone number that Koichi-kun told me to call, so that's no doubt why he gave it to me. Let's be friends. She's crazy, I thought. I can't do that, I said. Why? But Koichi-kun went to all that trouble to give me this number. And I told you... I have no idea who this Koichi is, and more importantly, this is my girlfriend's phone number, I said, and hung up again. My girlfriend was watching this exchange from the side, so I told her everything that the other woman said. That's scary, she said, and that was that. We kept an eye on the phone for a while after that, but there were no more calls. All of that took place ten years ago when I was 19. Now, the following year, when I was 20, my friends and family had been bitching at me for a while to get a cell phone, so I finally did. I was still going out with my girlfriend, but we'd mostly forgotten about the Koichikun incident by that point. But then one day, as I was driving, my phone rang. I didn't know the number, but I answered it anyway. Hello? Koichi-kun, came the reply from the speaker. Oh god, it was her again. I turned to my girlfriend and mouthed, Koichi, Koichi. She looked frightened. I was too. No, this isn't him, I replied, and then immediately hung up. No way. I didn't even have time to say anything to my girlfriend when the phone rang again. It was the same number. I was so frightened that I let it ring. But it kept ringing. It didn't stop. Aren't you going to answer it? My girlfriend said. I mean, if you really aren't cheating on me and all. Nervously, I answered. Hello? You finally picked up. 
what do you want? Koichi-kun gave me this number again. Seriously? I thought. What's this about? I told you, that's not my name. But we've spoken before, right? I got chills. I was terrified. What frightened me most of all was how much she was enjoying this. But I couldn't let her know I was afraid. I worked myself up. Ah, uh, yeah, that was me. So what do you want? Koichi-kun told me in a dream to call this number. Is that so? But I haven't heard anything from him. Really? You haven't heard anything at all from him? Like I said, I don't know a thing about any of this. And just like I said last time, who on earth is this Koichi anyway? He's someone who talks to me about all sorts of things in my dreams. Really? But I've never dreamt about him. You should keep talking to him in your dreams then. This has nothing to do with me, I said, and then hung up. I then told my girlfriend what she said and cleared her suspicions of cheating. But she was scared. How did she get my number? I was scared too. Anyway, two more years passed after that. I was now 22 years old and had broken up with my girlfriend. In order to get a fresh start, as such, a year after we broke up, I changed phone companies from D Company to A Company. I was in my fifth year of university and kind of panicking because I had yet to find a job. I had almost all my credits, so I was mostly just working part-time at the liquor store. This was my daily life. One evening, my phone rang. I didn't know the number. My heart skipped a beat. Was it that Koichi woman again? But after that last call, I registered her in my phone as Koichi woman and set the number to my block list. Plus, I often got calls from clients, so I decided to answer it. Hello, I answered loudly. But I didn't hear the raspy voice of the snack bar owner, nor even the husky voice of my boss. It's been a while. Do you remember me? Yep, it was the Koichi woman. That voice, how terrifying. It was like how you can feel your stomach rising when you listen to a scary story. Maybe it's just me, but when I get anxious, I feel kind of sick. Anyway, I summoned up all my courage and asked her, Who is this? Um, do you remember me? We've spoken before. It's me, Mina. It was the first time she'd told me her name. I was impressed. Well, just a little. By the way, I had a local friend named Mina. We're still good friends even now. But her voice was totally different, so she didn't even come to mind. Mina-san, I said after she gave her name. I don't know who that is. You don't know? Um, well, Koichi-kun gave me your number. Yes, yes, I know. But what do you want? Um, well, Koichi-kun gave me this number. So, you see, uh, are you really sure you aren't Koichi-kun? 
Who are you? You really haven't heard anything? I'm sorry to keep bothering you. Nobody has told me anything, no. I don't know anything. And like I told you last time, I'm not Koichi. And still you said you wanted to be friends after hearing that, right? I'm sorry, but he really did give me your number. Look, I don't know how many times you've called me, but it's really starting to get on my nerves. This is the third time. Yeah, look, just stop calling me. What type of prank call is this anyway? I don't know if you've called other people like this, but you're no doubt bothering them as well. And I'm at work right now too. Uh, you're the only one I've called, but I'm sorry. Can I call you again tonight? Huh? Why? I want to talk to you a little more. I want to be your friend. I already told you. No. And then I hung up. Compared to previous times, her way of speaking and the calm tone of her voice indicated she had grown up somewhat. But still, that desperate nature of her voice scared me. It certainly didn't make me happy to hear her say, I want to be friends. And so that night, after I was done with work, she called again. I thought about declining the call, but I had a feeling she'd just try again from a different number, so I got angry. Hello? Ah, it's Mina. Sorry for calling you. I told you not to call me, didn't I? I already told you, I can't be your friend, so there's no point calling me anymore, okay? Please don't keep saying that. It makes me sad. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. Can I ask you something? What? I've spoken to Koichi-kun about all sorts of things. Family, friends, dreams, etc. And he's given me all sorts of advice. He's been a great help. The first time I called you, Koichi-kun actually spoke to me first, which was rather rare, and he told me to call your number. And that was why I thought I was finally going to meet him in real life. I was so happy. But when a woman answered, I found it a little odd. And then when you answered the phone, well, your voice was exactly the same as his. That was why I thought you were him. I was so happy. But I was a little shocked at how cold you acted. The second time he gave me your number, I was sure you would answer. And you did. Koichi-kun sure is amazing, I thought. But nothing happened, and you were cold again. And so, the next time I saw Koichi-kun in my dreams, I got mad at him. I won't believe you ever again. And for a while, I didn't see him again. I regretted that for a long time. I wanted to apologize. And then, last night, Koichi-kun appeared again and told me to try talking to you. If we could be friends, then I could meet him. This will be the last time, he said. And then he gave me your number. So please, let me see you at least once and give me the chance to talk. The conversation went something like that. She tried very hard to convince me. Calmly. But I was still trembling. 
I was scared. What was this about dreams? Who was Koichi-kun? Why did he give her my number? Okay, I've heard you out, but I still can't meet you, I said. You can't? She sounded terribly disappointed. If Koichi-kun gives you my number again, don't call me. He said this would be the last time, so I don't think he will. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Look, good luck in the future, alright? And that was that. It's been seven years since then. She hasn't called me again, but I still get scared when I see an unknown number. A father with a habit of bringing home old and second-hand items brings back a doll that's, well, rather creepy. But is there something even more wrong with it? Find out in The Milk Drinking Doll. This is a strange story that happened to me when I was a child. My father was rather poor and he often brought home broken items and furniture that he found at the nearby dump. What a waste, he'd always say as he brought them inside. Stop, you're embarrassing, my family would always say, appalled at his actions, but we knew that he never would, and so we let him be. He brought home all sorts of things, many of which made me question why he'd want to pick them up in the first place, and... More than a few things were rather bizarre. One of those bizarre things was a doll. One day he came into the room I shared with my younger sister and put down a strange doll. It seemed he'd picked it up from the dump. Why would you pick up such a dirty doll? I said, annoyed as I looked at it. It was a fairly standard Japanese-made doll, the type that drank milk, that would fit snugly in a child's arms. It had long eyelashes and brown eyes. The lips were slightly open so it could drink milk, and it looked like it might start talking at any moment. If it were new, then it would no doubt be a lovely, cute doll. But the previous owner must have treated it pretty badly, as its smooth white cheeks were covered in black marker and one of the eyes looked like it had been crushed and refused to close when the doll was laid down. It wasn't a very cute doll, so I didn't know why my father brought it back. Both my sister and I enjoyed playing with dolls when we were younger, and our room was full of dolls like Nika-chan, French dolls, stuffed animals, and so on. But this one stood out like a sore thumb. We'd played with all the other dolls when we were kids, so we were attached to them. But this one just felt weird. The milk-drinking doll alone was different to the rest. As I slept, it seemed to stare at me with those silent eyes, and it was kind of creepy. But my father had picked it up for us, so I couldn't bring myself to throw it away, and reluctantly, I left it in our room. A short while later, I experienced something strange. I was lying in bed, dozing off, when suddenly I heard a voice by my ear. Was it a child? 
It sounded like a child suddenly laughing right next to my ear. It was the sound of a mischievous, joyful cackle. At first, it was just one voice, but then it started to spread, and then I could hear other voices, maybe two or three of them laughing. They were all young and innocent, like children. I could also hear them whispering about something. I thought it might be some of the kids from the neighbourhood playing, but there was no way they'd be out playing at this time of night. Plus, the voices were right next to my ear. I couldn't make out what they were saying at first, but then I could slowly make out some words. Is she sleeping? Is she sleeping? Even though my eyes were closed, I could feel someone looking down at me. But it wasn't just one person. I could feel several gazes. It seemed these sudden presences were checking whether I was asleep or not. Let's find out, one of the voices suddenly said. I started to tremble and shake like a fish, and I got goosebumps all over. A fear I'd never felt before gripped my entire body. Don't open your eyes. If you do, something bad will happen. You mustn't look at them. Instinctively, that was how I felt, and inside, I prayed desperately for them to disappear. But still they were by my bedside, looking down at me and whispering about something. I lost consciousness after that, and when I woke up, it was morning. It was all a bad dream. That was what I thought, and from the bottom of my heart, I was relieved that it was morning. But the dream didn't end there. After that, I started to have the same dream over and over. I was lying in bed. Then I could hear children's laughter and voices. At first, they were just talking, but then they'd run over to my bedside. At first, there were only two or three of them, but over time there were more and more of them, having fun as they surrounded my bed. The steady stream of voices that sounded like they were coming from a speaker honestly frightened me. They all belonged to young children. Innocent laughter and children in high spirits. But some of them spoke with clear malice towards me. I could hear them right next to me, looking down on my face as I lay in bed. Is she asleep? Is she asleep? I mustn't reply. I absolutely should not open my eyes. But my body was rigid as though I were suffering from sleep paralysis, and I couldn't even move a finger. Go away, go away, go away! I trembled in fear, and I kept praying that I would wake from this nightmare. Someone was running around beside me again. I could hear multiple small footsteps. There was no way. I mean, I was sleeping on the top bunk. If they were running around right next to me, that would mean they were running on air. These terrifying dreams continued, and I fell into a deep depression. But it was when I was dozing one afternoon that I realised what had to be behind all this. I was half asleep, half awake, when I had that dream again. Is she asleep? Is she asleep? Is it time? Is it time? I heard a child's voice, but for some reason, I realised that it had to be that doll. 
I don't know why I thought that way, and I had no evidence to back it up. But that was definitely it, I thought. I mean, it might not have been, but that was how I felt. But it wasn't the milk-drinking doll that was looking down on my face while I was asleep, that was checking on me, but rather, the things inside it. There was no way I could tell this story to anyone. I didn't want people to think I'd lost the plot, so I kept quiet about it, but I felt like my sister, who slept on the bed beneath me, might have sensed something odd. I asked her about it, but she just looked at me strangely. I've never heard any voices, she said. I was terribly frightened of that doll, and I wanted to deal with it quickly, but I honestly had no idea what to do. I was just a child, after all. But I was also afraid that I might actually be losing my mind. Why was I the only one who could hear the voices? Why were they only coming to me? When I was just a small child, I once saw a female ghost, although it was only vaguely. Did that mean that I had at least a little sixth sense? That I could see ghosts? Was that the reason I could sense them even in the darkness? One night, a few days later, they again appeared by my bedside and started talking. My eyes were closed so I didn't actually see them, but it felt like there were 20 or so people in the room. Either way, the room was full of voices, and they were so loud that I wanted to cover my ears. Of course, there were about five by my ear, muttering as always. Is she asleep? Is she asleep? I knew it was that doll looking at me, and then it spoke with a child's voice. She's awake. She has to be. The voices around it reacted. She's awake! She's awake! They all screamed. There was clear malice in those innocent voices. It's time, right? We can go in, right? We can, right? Shall we try? Shall we go in? Go in! Go in! I was so afraid that I almost screamed. They're trying to take over my body! But I still couldn't move. My body just trembled on the bed. For the first time, I realized that this couldn't continue. I started desperately chanting sutras in my head. I was a child, so I didn't really know any but I chanted what I could. When I came to, it was morning. Even now, I still vaguely think it was a dream. Or maybe that's just what I want to believe. Soon after that, we moved to a new house, and the old one was knocked down. That milk-drinking doll disappeared somewhere between moving houses. Maybe my mother got rid of it, or maybe it got left in the closet. Either way, once we moved into the new house, strangely, that strange experience stopped. It was an old house, so maybe that had something to do with it too. Elevators, tall buildings, and ending up in another world. Name a better combo. Seems it's happening yet again to the narrator of this next story. But why? What's really going on? Find out in... Door to another world.
According to the building code, buildings with five or more floors, or maybe it's six, need to have an elevator installed. I lived in a high-rise, so naturally it also had an elevator. I lived on the sixth floor, so I never used the stairs. I think most people who live that high do the same. Day in, day out, I had to use the elevator. It's pretty tough going down the stairs constantly, let alone up them as well. But still, even though it's rough, these days I exclusively use the stairs. One day, I didn't have any classes at university, so I was at home. I decided to head to the nearby convenience store to grab some food, and to go downstairs, naturally, I had to use the elevator. The elevator was stopped on the 8th floor, so no doubt somebody up there was also getting on. I pressed the button and waited for it to come down. The doors opened, and inside a single middle-aged lady stood. I'd seen her around before, so she no doubt lived on the 8th floor. I bowed my head slightly and entered the elevator. The button for the first floor was already highlighted. The elevator then stopped at the fourth floor and a delivery man stepped inside. All three of us were heading to the first floor. However, the elevator suddenly stopped between the third and second floors. Gravity pushed down on me for a moment and then the three of us all looked at each other. What's going on? Did the elevator break? There didn't seem to be a blackout. The lights were on just fine. What happened? I muttered. Both the woman and the delivery man looked confused. We waited a while, but there was no sign of movement. The delivery man was the first to act. He pushed the button for his wireless, but there was no response. He sighed. What the hell is going on? I wanted to know the same thing. In terms of pure numbers, I don't think much time passed. We stood there in silence for maybe three minutes or so. But that silence was more than enough to stir up feelings of anxiety. When we all started to fidget, finally the elevator started moving again. The woman let out a small sigh and I was so surprised that I jumped a little. But even though the button for the first floor had been pressed, the elevator didn't start moving down. It started moving up. Past the fourth floor, fifth floor, sixth floor. It stopped at the seventh, and then the doors opened. I looked at the doors, confused. What on earth was going on? What was this? It doesn't seem to be working very well, huh? The woman said as she stepped out. I think it would be better to take the stairs. It might break again. Yeah, you're right, the delivery man said, and he stepped out as well. The woman was absolutely right. We were lucky that the elevator was letting us out. The next time, we might get stuck in there like canned sardines. Hell, we might even get injured if it malfunctioned badly enough. I certainly didn't want that. I didn't want to use such an unreliable elevator either, and I went to step out with them. No. Wait. Something didn't feel right. The view on the other side of the elevator was definitely the seventh floor, but... 
It was really dark. There wasn't a single light on. There were no lights. It was so dark I couldn't even see the end of the corridor. So, it was a blackout then. Looking back on it, the lights inside the elevator were the only ones that were on, and it seemed oddly out of place. Yeah. Although, there was something wrong with it, the elevator was still working. There was no way we could have lost electricity. Something was awfully strange. Feeling more and more uncomfortable, I looked out the window to the scenery outside. What the hell? The sky was red. Sunset? Sunrise? But it wasn't the time for either right now. There was no sun or clouds in the sky either. It was just an intense, horrifying red. I looked down at the ground. It was dark. No, pitch black. Silhouettes of the highway and buildings. That was all I could see. It was all dark, just like the building we were in. But there was no sound coming from the highway. Normally, it was so noisy that it was disgusting. There was no sound. I couldn't hear a thing. I couldn't see anything moving either. It was hard to describe, but it was like there were no signs of life around at all. There was just the bright red sky. A world of nothing but red and black. I turned around. The elevator stood there, bright as ever. As I stood there for a few moments, thinking, the elevator doors started to close. Wait, what should I do? Should I get off or should I stay inside? This time, the elevator moved normally and proceeded to the first floor. The doors opened and it was the regular first floor, same as always. People were walking around and cars were driving by. I could hear the sounds of life. It was daytime. Everything was normal. I was relieved. Everything was okay. I stepped out of the elevator. After I calmed down, I wondered what happened to the other two. I waited for them to come down the stairs, but there was no sign of them. Fifteen minutes passed, and still no sign of either of them. It shouldn't take that long to come down the stairs. Suddenly, I was very afraid. I went outside. I didn't want to be there any longer. Ever since that day, I've been unable to use elevators. I live in a different building now, and I always use the stairs to go up and down. With stairs, I'm always connected to the ground, so I don't have to worry about being taken to another world. But elevators are different. They're doors to another world. At least, that's what I think. I never want to use another elevator ever again. Finally, some kids gossip about a nearby abandoned house, calling it haunted, but it's not until later that they discover the creepy meaning behind its name. Find out what in Noani House.
When I was a child, there was an abandoned house near where I lived. It was by a river, and there was a well too. Because we lived in the countryside, there were few lights and it was really creepy at night. Of course, it wasn't long until the house became famous at school for being haunted. The school declared it off-limits because it was too dangerous. It might fall down at any moment. I was at a curious age, so I wanted to check it out, but I was also scared that someone might find out and get angry at me, so I never went. But I heard all sorts of things from people who did. I saw a ghost. I heard a voice coming from the well. There was one group in particular that started calling it the Doani House. That name quickly spread, and before long everyone at school was calling it that. But nobody knew the reason behind that name. In the end, we decided that someone named Doani must have lived there, and that was that. Before long, the house was knocked down. I don't remember why, but either way, people soon stopped talking about it. We were just kids after all, so we quickly forgot about it. A few months later, I was eating dinner with my older brother, who was in junior high, and he suddenly said, Oh yeah, I heard they tore that old house down. Yeah, like three months ago or something. Really? I haven't been near there recently. Which reminds me, do you know what they used to call that house? Eh? It has a name. We just called it the Doani House. Ha ha ha, I see. We called it the Kuchiani House. Apparently there was something written in large red letters on one of the walls in the back of the house. To some, it looked like the katakana character for Do, and the kanji for Ani, or Big Brother. To others, the Do looked like the kanji for Kuchi, or Mouth, instead. Ah, I see. Do Ani. Kuchi Ani. It all makes sense now. Lucky it was just elementary school kids who saw it, huh? My brother said with a laugh. It wasn't until later that I realised what the characters on the wall actually meant, and I was glad that I never went there. It wasn't Do, nor even Kuchi. The characters were actually meant to be read together as a single whole. The character for Curse. Well, in the end, I never found out the real story behind that house either way. Don't forget to check out Koabana Volume 12, out on Amazon right now. And check out our newly revamped merchandise store at koabana.store. And if you'd like to chat about this week's stories, come and join us in the Koabana Discord. You can find that link in the description or on koabana.net. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Tara A. Devlin for exclusive bonus stories and extras, or our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Japan for all sorts of Japanese horror you won't find anywhere else. Thanks guys, stay safe, and I'll see you again next time for even more Koobana, true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. Want even more scary stories? Head over to koobana.net for new translations every week. 
You can also join our Patreon for exclusive stories you won't find anywhere else. Head over to koabana.net now.